Welcome all. My name is Hannah Morell. I'm with Pacific Stoa Financial Coaching, and this is Miserable is Not Enough. We uh, Last episode, we talked about the beginnings of the procrastination cycle. We're going to probably finish it up this week and then the next time around. Um, we'll dig into more of the tools that I teach and use for my own self um, to help undermine procrastination and why we are undermining procrastination and not fighting with it. Um, so last time through, um, last time through, we kind of talked about the beginning, the uh, the first the inconsistencies, right? The inconsistent feedback from our efforts that we get from, you know, everybody and everything, but we also get that from ourselves. How that inconsistency leads us to the somewhat logical conclusion that um, we can't trust ourselves or really anything around us, um, but we are focusing on our internal trust of ourselves. And how that lack of trust in ourself um, leads to something called apathy. Uh, basically, if it doesn't matter what I do, if it doesn't matter what my efforts are, what's the point? Why would I even continue trying? So as I recall, we kind of left off there with apathy last time. So right after apathy, uh, apathy again being a state of being and not a choice, um, comes kind of the active arm of apathy, and that's avoidance. That was a lot of alliteration, I hope you don't mind. So avoidance is sort of a general turning away from most of the parts of our lives. Um, it isn't really super specific. And when I'm, uh, when I'm hearing someone like talk, uh, I hear avoidance as um, I'm only focusing on this one thing right now. Like I'm only focusing on finding a job right now. Um, so basically all other parts of the life of that person's life are being kind of shunted off because they're focusing on one thing, um, which might sound like a good thing. Like it sounds like they're focusing on, um, you know, buckling down, but really what avoidance is, is, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not focus, it's avoidance, right? Because our, our lives are holistic. We have lots of parts of moving parts to our lives, um, and it's not fair. Uh, to kind of expect ourselves to only focus on one thing at a time. Um, and it is um, a, a reframe of trying to uh, just focus singly on one thing. And that's part of being um, overwhelmed, is that we kind of want to shut down and focus on only one thing. So it's not a bad thing, like any parts of this cycle. It is sort of a natural thing. So avoidance is that natural extension of apathy. Um, and then running right after avoidance comes uh, my best friend and lifelong companion, and that's procrastination. And procrastination is specific. So I can be avoiding a lot of things in my life. I can be like, I'm just focused on getting the podcast done, right, for example. Um, but I'm specifically avoiding doing the dishes. So that's avoiding, I'm sorry, procrastination is specific. And it is a choice. So apathy was not a choice. Um, apathy is a state of being. Avoidance is a little more active, um, but procrastination is a choice, even if the choice is choosing not to choose, right? So procrastination um, can hit us in little ways, big ways, uh, and it, they roll up pretty quickly. So little procrastinations can quickly roll up into big uh, crisis, little and big crisis. So a crisis, and I want to carefully define the way that we're going to use that word is not the freak out uh, or it's not just the freak out like it's not crisis isn't just the loss of a job or the loss of a marriage or the loss of a house 
right? It's not just that. Crisis is also um, when I've not done dishes to the point where I don't have any clean dishes, right? We make different decisions at those points of reckoning where we have had our choices removed. Even if we're the ones that removed those choices from ourselves, we are, in a way, removing our own autonomy because we've reduced our choices. So um, let's say I've been procrastinating on doing my dishes and that means that I have no clean plates. So how am I gonna eat dinner tonight? Am I going to order out? Like, am I gonna get delivery? Am I gonna go out to eat? Am I gonna go to the grocery store? Am I not gonna eat anything at all? Uh, Am I gonna eat food with my face and not off a plate, right? I've reached a point of reckoning where I I really don't have as many choices as I did before. It's not as easy for me to just make dinner because I don't have any plates. And in that point of crisis, we can look back and say, well, the right decision, the correct decision was to make just clean dishes, like to wash a plate. But in that moment of crisis, our brains don't work with that lovely, logical, executive function at the front part of our brains. When we are in crisis, big crisis or little crisis, our brains kind of click over into the back part of our brains, the R complex, the survival part of our brains. And it tells us the lie that this is an emergency, even though it's not. And you can't really reason your way out of that. The reason is not allowed to function at that point. Um, And there's good reasons for it. There's reasons that our brains function like this. Um, Frequently, I hear people say um, when they're, uh, I just became aware that I'm saying the word um a lot. So now I am really aware of it and trying not to say it. So let's see how I do. Uh, Shoot. When people are functioning out of a place of crisis, their brains are telling them a lie that everything is important, right? I just have to get fed right now. I just have to find a job, whatever job, you know, I just have to survive. That part of our brains has probably helped us survive as a species for as long as we have. And that's the fight, flight, or freeze response, right? Um, That is where we are susceptible to something called action bias, where we're just doing something. Just do something. Doesn't matter what it is, just do something. And that quick action without a bunch of thought is really difficult to make great decisions from. Um, I'm not saying people don't make great decisions from that place of crisis. I am saying that the likelihood of us making great long-term decisions from that place of crisis are pretty rare. So crisis, big, little, doesn't matter. It's all our brain telling us that we are gonna spend the rest of our life this way. Think about a person who's drowning. Do they need to be able to calculate compound interest in their head? No, they don't. They need to survive. So they're, they're using action bias in the way that it should be used. They are just acting, fighting scrambling. There's no thought when someone is drowning, right? And that's when our brains are telling us that we're going to live the rest of our lives that way because we probably are. That might be the end of that person's life. So we get enough crisis in our life and it doesn't take much. And that is only going to reinforce to us that we can't be trusted. If I was a good parent, if I was a good grown-up, if I was a good uh, employee, business owner, whatever, if I was a good and worthy human being, crap like this wouldn't keep happening to me. So obviously I can't be trusted. So this feeds right back into the cycle that we started with the not being able to trust ourselves. So the step past the inconsistent feedback. So right about now, um, 
you know, if we were sitting together, I would ask, you know, how much of this makes sense to you? So what part of that cycle, uh, not being able to trust yourself, apathy, avoidance, procrastination, and crisis, which part of that jumps right out at you, like smacks you right in the face? And whatever you said, that's important for you to know. That's the most, that's probably where um, the, the work needs to be done. Um, and I, I'm saying uh, work, not fight. So right about now, people usually ask, okay, cool, Hannah, I get it. The cycle makes sense. What do we do to stop it? So what do people normally do to stop this cycle or slow it down? People normally employ something called shame. Shame, judgment, guilt, regret, remorse, all of those things are things that we do to try to quote unquote teach ourselves a lesson. So we're trying to learn from our past mistakes, and I hesitate to call them mistakes, our past choices. We are trying to learn from our past choices to make better choices in the future. And we do that with shame. Unfortunately, shame does not work. Um, it in fact makes everything worse. So in this cycle, where do you think people apply shame to themselves? From what I've seen from every single client that I've worked with, people employ shame at every point in the cycle. They shame themselves for not trusting themselves, for not like listening to the red flags that they had or listening to the, the wise voice in their head. They shame themselves for shutting down, even though, as we've discussed, it's a fairly logical, sort of a messed up logic. Um, the shutdown is a protective strategy, but they shame themselves for that. They shame themselves for avoidance. Definitely shame ourselves for procrastination, right? Looks so easy. What, what the hell's my problem? Why can't I just, like if I'm procrastinating on doing dishes, the logical fix is to just do the dishes. Well, if it was that easy, nobody would procrastinate. And that's not how it works. Uh, I can shame myself for being in crisis. So shame, in fact, actually speeds up the cycle, makes it stronger, makes it faster. Procrastination and this entire cycle and shame like it when we fight with it. So if you try to go to battle with this cycle, it will fight you back. So I know that this is a big enemy. I know that this is a hard point, is this difficult point in people's lives and they just want to make it stop, right? They want the silver bullet. They want the cure. They want the fix. And it, it just doesn't work that way. If I gave you, if I even had a big gigantic tool to kill this thing in one go, you know, I don't think it would work, right? That's, this cycle feeds on that big, how do I want to say this? Big interventions have the possibility of being big failures. So what I want is to give you some tools, which we'll talk about next time because we're out of time now. Uh, we'll talk about some tools that will begin to undermine this procrastination cycle. So I really, really want you to be aware of where you're at in the cycle and how quickly you flip, flip around between. Because, you know, I can exist in procrastination and apathy and avoidance all at the same time and flip back and forth very, very quickly. I want you to be aware of it. I want you to look for patterns. Like if I'm, if I pass my kitchen sink and I think, ugh, so many dishes, who even cares? Like, what's the point? Then I know that I'm in apathy and I can watch my behavior for what's next. So observe your behavior within the cycle without trying to change it, without intervening. You're looking for patterns because what we're going to do is take your observations of yourself and we are going to build tools out of that. So I'm going to say this again. I know it just said it very quickly. 
but I would like you to observe yourself, your behavior, internal thoughts, external behavior within this cycle without changing or intervening on yourself. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but, and I know you have no reason to trust me, but please, please try hard to observe only. And this observation means that automatically you're not judging. You're coming from a place of observation. It would, it would be as if, like, if we're working together, if you were my client and I'm your coach, I need this data, right? I need nice, clean data to come back. So I need your observations to, to help me build the next tool for you. So just pretend like we're going to meet and I'm going to be asking you, what did you observe? Um, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that the observation all by itself will slow down the cycle because this cycle does not like to be observed. It doesn't like you to be aware that it's there. And your awareness, following the observer effect, uh, your awareness of it may be enough to slow it down. So observe that too. So thank you very much for listening. Um, we're at about 13 minutes and I try to keep them around 10. So I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, but we will talk next time about ways to begin to undermine the procrastination cycle. Thank you very much for your time. I will try hard to continue earning the next 10 minutes of your time. Bye-bye. The tools, concepts, strategies, and processes covered in this curriculum, coaching, and podcast are meant to be used for your personal development and or in the partnership with the tools that you are already using in the service of your community. If you are considering seeking compensation of, or contracts using this financial coaching curriculum, please reach out to Pacific STOA for more information on the Financial Wellness Coach Certificate and Exclusive Licensing.